All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, I'm trying to figure out, am I normal? I don't, I don't feel the extra hour. Is there anybody there who's with me that you just don't even know it's daylight savings time? So like part of being an adult, it's like someone else raise their hand. Okay. Why don't I want my money back? I don't like that. All right. Well, my name is Jake. I co-direct the high school ministry here with Johanna, and um, I get to preach today. Now, when I was growing up, and actually still even today, one of my favorite movie heroes was Indiana Jones. Are there any Indiana Jones fans out here? So, <laughs> I'll let him know you applauded for him. That's so kind. You know, and one of the reasons that I loved Indiana Jones was because of the fact that he was just kind of unstoppable. Right? Like, it doesn't matter if there are Nazis in his way, or there's a boulder coming after him, or he has tarantulas on his back. He just doesn't seem phased. He's, he's tough as nails. But what I really love about Indiana Jones is the fact that for as cool as he is and as tough as he is, there is one thing that is a, uh, a paralyzing fear in his life. Does anybody know what that is? Good job, you guys have seen it. Yeah, snakes. Snakes, why'd it have to be snakes? Right, he hates snakes. And the reason I love that is because I think that makes Indiana Jones so relatable. Right, for as cool as this guy is, there's one thing in his life that when he comes face to face with it, he's just completely paralyzed. And I love that. And I think that resonates with us because all of us, and I know some of you are really cool and really brave and everything, but all of us, have something that we're afraid of. Fear is a pretty common part of the human experience. All of us in some way experience fear. And in fact, to use even a word that's maybe even more specific to a lot of us, certainly more specific to me, we can feel a lot of anxiety. Right? Anybody else out there with me? You don't have to raise your hand, but but I know that's certainly true of me. And so in today's passage, we're, we're going to jump, that we heard read today, we're going to jump right into the boat with the Apostle Paul during one of the most fear-inducing, anxiety-drenched episodes, I think, in his life. And we're going to get in the boat with him, and I want to ask three questions today. The first question is, what's the problem? The second question is, what's the promise? And the third question, what's the posture? So problem, promise, posture. And we're going to see how those uh, were answered in his life, how God met him in the storm, and then think about how God might meet us in the storms that we feel in our lives as well. Okay? Sound good? Um, by the way, I do feel burdened to say this just right at the start. I think this is definitely worth saying, is I'm going to talk a lot, of, a lot today about anxiety, um, but that's a really big word, right? When I say anxiety, that can cover a pretty big, wide range of experiences. And so when I'm talking about anxiety, I just mean the sense of fear that we all feel in response to difficult, stressful, chaotic, out-of-control situations, and even maybe smaller situations as well. But it is totally worth noting that um, anxiety can be bigger than that, and for sure at times it can require medical attention. And I am so grateful that God has raised up actually multiple people here who are experts in that um, and who know really how to minister to you if that's something that you're experiencing. And they can say so much more than I can say in a sermon. 
So I just feel burdened to say that, but know that when I'm talking about anxiety, I'm talking about the experience that we all feel, uh, the fear we feel when we're, we're out of control when there's a storm. Okay. So let's jump into the boat with Paul today. And kids, I know you guys have been given uh, little ships that you get to build, right? And so as you build it, what I want you to do is, and actually, Luke, you can put up the slide now of the storm. Uh, you can picture yourself in the middle of the storm. Put yourself in that little boat that you're making. Okay, and put yourself right in the story. I think that'll make it more fun. Okay, so what is the problem here in this passage? Well, it's not too hard to find, right? Spoiler, it's a storm. Now, Paul is being transported to Rome. We're, we're right about at the end of the book of Acts right now. There's only one more chapter after this. And Paul is a prisoner who is being transported to Rome so that he can, um, he can appeal to Caesar. And so this is just about the end of the journey now, and they're doing the last little bit of it by boat. Now, unfortunately, they're sailing somewhere between the months of October and early November, which is cool. That's where we find ourselves right now. And that was not a good time to, sa to sail in the Mediterranean. Um, Paul actually says this earlier, that he recommends they don't sail because he knows this is not a good time, but nevertheless, they do it. And lo and behold, a storm does appear. So we see uh, in what was read today that they're sailing along, everything seems good at first, they feel pretty justified in their decision to sail, and then suddenly, verse 14, a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Kata, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then fearing that they would run aground on the Sirtis, they lowered the gear and thus were driven along. I don't know about you, but if you grew up in California, it's hard for me to picture a storm, right? Our storms are not very stormy. But you got to understand that when, when this says it was a storm, this is not just a little wind and a little rain. Um, I think the way the NLT translates it is a typhoon-like wind. So I put this picture up. It's probably even way worse than this. They are stuck in the middle of a typhoon. And notice then, verse 15, they're caught and they lose control. They're, the wind is so strong, what they realize quickly is, we're not even able to control this at this point. We just have to give in to it and be taken along. In verse 17, they would have had a side boat, and so they realize, shoot, we need to get this side boat in or we're going to lose it. And so they pull it into the boat, and they use supports to undergird the ship, which means that they're doing that, they're passing cables. I I could not figure out how they do this, so maybe if you're a sailor, you can let me know later. But somehow they passed cables underneath the boat, and the reason they're doing this is because they are so concerned at this point that the ship is going to break apart, that they're taking any precaution they can just to keep it together. So this is bad, but it gets a lot worse. Verse 18, since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. So notice here now the storm has rolled into the second day. 
So this isn't just like a one-day one little storm that blows over. We get a lot of those here, right? This is a multi-day storm already. And it says that they jettison the cargo. And this is a serious thing because what this means is they are throwing overboard the very means they have to make money. So in addition to the prisoners, what they're transporting here is merchandise that's going to be sold in Rome. But they're throwing it overboard because they realize we're really in danger of sinking right now. And we need to take every precaution we can to lighten the ship. And so in order to save their lives, they throw their very livelihood overboard. That's pretty serious. Put yourself in that ship and just imagine making that decision for a moment. This multi-month uh, journey that I've been going on, it's all a loss. But I need to do that just to stay alive. Well, it gets even worse. Verse 19, and on the third day, so now we're in the third day of the storm, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. And the ship's tackle would have been the equipment that they had used to steer the boat, to give them control over what direction they're going. And so evidently, there's probably so much water in the boat, there's such a risk of sinking, that they're realizing we've got to get rid of it anything we possibly can. And so the very means to control their direction, they take in with their own hands, they throw it overboard. I think that shows that this is a pretty bad storm. Right? These guys who are professional sailors, who need to be able to steer where they're going, they realize at this point, we're just, we're at the will of this storm. We are out of control Verse 19, it gets even, sorry, verse 20, even worse. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us, that means the storm stayed with us, the typhoon stayed with us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. So the last thing that goes overboard is their hope. And just put yourself in this situation for a moment. You've lost all means to get income. You've lost all means to direct now where your life is going. You can't even see the sky, and you come to the conclusion, we are not getting out of this. These are experienced sailors, and they're saying, we're doomed. There is no hope here. So what's the problem for Paul? It's pretty clear he's doomed, right? That's the problem here for Paul and everyone on board the ship with him. And there's about 300 people on this ship. Paul and everyone with him finds themselves sinking in the middle of a typhoon. No sight of land and not even the sight of the sky. Now, I know that for most of us, uh, we will probably never be caught in a storm like this. I hope that's true. Maybe some of you have. Um, but for most of us, for me certainly, this is probably not going to be an experience that we will ever experience ourselves. But man, I still think this is super, super relatable. Because even if we're not caught in the storm in the ocean, 
we have our own problems that makes it sometimes feel like we are on a sinking ship. Does anybody resonate with that? Like sometimes life is just good. You are just coasting along. Things seem like they're going pretty smoothly. And then out of nowhere, boom, wind comes in. A tidal wave comes in. And everything changes in a moment. Sometimes these are storms that, you know, if, if we have money, we're saying, I don't care, take it, just get this thing out of my life because I realize how scary this is. And it's storms where we lose control and sometimes where we're even left just saying, I have no hope here. I was thinking uh, in my own life, one of the biggest storms ironically came from what seemed like was going to be a cool thing, and that was in my uh, senior year at Cal State Long Beach, I got picked to make a senior film. It was going to be funded by the school, and it's like, oh, exciting, that's great. Well, in the end, it was exciting, but there was quite a storm that I had to go through. Actually, one of my friends from film, Jonathan's here, he was in this with me, so he can identify. I kid you not, literally everything that could have gone wrong went wrong leading up to the, the filming of this short little 12-minute film. Like the week of, my car was stolen. So, uh, I think it was like the night before I found out the studio we were going to film and they turned, the power was going to be turned out. Um, some people quit at the last minute. Even after I finished filming, I forgot the hard drives in the parking lot for two hours. Don't do that if you make a film. That's not good. But I remember, if you notice, if, as we read on, we'll see that the sailors, they didn't eat for days on end. They were so consumed with fear of their future, the anxiety of the situation, that they did not eat for days on end. And I remember when I was making my senior film that easily a day would go by and I would realize, wow, I didn't eat a single thing. I didn't even notice because I was so concerned with bailing water out of my boat. I didn't even think to eat. If you know me, you know that like 95% of my brain is spent thinking about food. So that's, that's pretty bad if I'm not eating. Um, in fact, I remember a few days before we filmed, I actually said to someone, man, it just feels like I'm on the Titanic right now. It feels like I am on a sinking ship, and when this thing goes down, I'm just going to be left saying, gosh, who am I? Why did this fail so bad? How am I going to account for the money that was lost? And I, oh, that was a storm in my life. So it might not be a boat, it might not be making a short film, but we all have something in our life, probably right now, that just grabs a hold of our anxiety. Um, kids, my heart goes out to you guys. I think about, I remember being a kid, it's a hard, scary thing. I remember one of the scariest things for me was starting at a new school. I don't know if any of the kids here can identify with that, but you go in and you don't know anybody. And you're just left asking these questions of, is anyone going to like me? What happens if I don't make any friends? It's a scary thing. Junior high and high school students, I get to spend a lot of time with you guys, and man, I know there are storms that you guys face. In fact, one of the biggest ones where my heart goes out to you is, is this feeling that you have to be perfect literally all the time. Like you have to do perfect in every class because that's going to set you up to get to the right school, which is going to set you up for the right job, and then you'll be able to have a happy, satisfying, fulfilling life. And that is tough. 
Because you're always in your little boat just so afraid that one wave might hit you and ruin that whole entire plan. And adults, I guess I'm in this boat now too, there are a lot of things in the world that cause anxiety. And there's big ones, right? Like rumors of a job loss, prospect of losing medical insurance, unpaid bills, bad news from your doctor that you know is going to change life in an instant. Concern over how to raise kids in a world that feels so different from the one that you grew up in. I don't even have kids and I already identify with that. And even regardless of where you land, the political and social climate of our country, who are we even going to be in a few years? In fact, some of the things that bring up anxiety in my life, maybe in yours, they aren't even related to the storm around us, but it's the storm inside of us. It's those tidal wave questions of, who even am I? Do I belong anywhere? Does anybody like me? Am I a failure? Is there any lasting contribution I'm making to this world? Those feel like big things in our life. They feel like a tidal wave. They feel like a typhoon. So just like Paul, we probably have our own problem that we're dealing with. But let's keep going because God meets Paul in his problem. Let's jump into verse 21. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. I told you so. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. And Paul says in verse 25, So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. So I don't know about you, but when I hear the idea of uh, someone in the boat in the middle of a storm, the first place my mind goes to is the time when Jesus is in the boat with his disciples, right? And they wake him up. They're like, why are you sleeping? We're going to die. And he gets up, and with a word, he calms the storm. And that's like a beautiful picture. I know that so many sermons have been preached on that, about how God calms the storms in our life. But you know what? That is not what God does here. That is not the approach that he takes. We want God to show up in our lives like this every time we experience fear and anxiety, but that is not always what he does. Notice in verse 24. Rather than calming the storm in the middle of the storm, God comes to Paul through an angel, through a messenger. He says this, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. What I love here is that all God is doing through this angel 
is recommunicating a promise that he had already made to Paul. If you go back a couple chapters, uh, chapter 23, you might remember that Jesus actually stands next to Paul and says to him, take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. See, God had already told Paul where, you're going, where he was going. Paul, you are going to Rome. You're going to stand before Caesar. But understandably, this situation probably brought that into question. I don't know for sure if Paul was scared, but it is interesting to me that, that the angel does say, do not be afraid, and then gives the reason why not to be. So maybe even Paul was afraid here. And all that God does through this angel is just to reiterate the promise that he made to Paul. You are still going to go to Rome. Nothing has changed. In fact, more than that, he's granted the lives of everyone who sails on the boat. God shows up to Paul. God meets him in the middle of his problem just reminding him of the promise that is true. Here's why I think this is good news for us, is that in all honesty, I cannot stand up here and remotely promise you that God's going to calm every storm in your life. We pray for that. We hope that we have that, that type of encounter where Jesus steps out and with a word calms everything that's around us. But in all honesty, there are so many believers who have gone to their death in the midst of a storm to promise that God can do that or will do that every time. But you know what? This passage gives me a lot of hope because I think the experience Paul has is available to us in literally every single storm. And it might not come through an angel, but you know what it does come through? Is this. And this is going to sound weird, but in some ways I think this is better than an angel. Because I don't know about you, but angels do not show up often in my life. But you know what is with me literally everywhere I go, whether it's here or here, is God's promises in Scripture. And God meets us through those. And so I just want to take a moment and read some of God's promises over you. And, what I, and kids and adults alike, I invite you just to close your eyes for a moment. And put yourself in the middle of whatever storm you're feeling, the chaos that's around you, the tidal wave that feels like it's looming. Hear this spoken to you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I knitted you together in your mother's womb. Every hair on your head is numbered. And I know when you sit down, and when you rise up. Even before a word is on your tongue, I know it. I saw you before you were born. Every day of your life was recorded in my book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. I know what you need before you ask me. You say, oh Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for them in God but I am the shield around you, your glory and the lifter of your head. You cry aloud to me, and I answer you from my holy hill. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome 
the world. For the mountains may move and the hills disappear, but even then my faithful love for you will remain. My covenant of blessing will never be broken. For I know the plans I have for you. There are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. I've shown my love for you in that while you are still a sinner, Christ died for you. For I so loved the world that I gave my only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so you can be sure of this, that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from my love given through Jesus your Lord. Therefore, if anyone is in Jesus, you're a new creation. The old has passed away. Listen to Jesus. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So brothers and sisters, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promises. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes and amen. God might not calm every storm in your life, but he gives you the promises in the midst of that storm. He reminds you, I know where you are going, and it is a place of hope, and I am with you on the journey. Friends, in the midst of our problems, we still have God's promises. That is something, believe me, that this anxious person needs to hear. So in closing, one last question. What's the posture how are we people then who receive these promises? I just want to point out the fact, I already said this, but the storm still goes on after Paul gets this promise. In fact, we read that in total, they're in this storm for, I think it's 15 days altogether. This promise comes in the midst of the storm, but you know what? It does not, the storm does not go away. And similarly, I think God's promises come to us in the middle of the storm, and it takes trust to believe that they're true. Also notice in verse 26, Paul ends his, his exhortation by saying, but we must run aground on some island. You know, God has communicated to Paul, you're still going to Rome, I'm saving everyone on this boat, but notice what God doesn't do. He does not tell Paul how this is going to work out. And so Paul is actually just left saying, I'm, I'm assuming then we're going to have to be shipwrecked at some point. God gives us his promises, but he does not always tell us how exactly they're going to work out, right? So what is the posture? Well, it's a posture of trust, first and foremost, that God will be faithful, regardless of the circumstances, to be faithful to what he has said. And then notice what this frees Paul up to do. Verse 33 as day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food 
saying, Today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength. For not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Because Paul had confidence in God's promise, he was actually freed up to be helpful to the people around him. He was actually able to rise above the situation and to be a, a very like practical voice of help. I love it. He's like, guys, you got to eat. It's going to be okay. Trust me. Take some food. And even though the storm is still going, he gives thanks to God in the presence of all of them, and they are all together encouraged. Guys, I think this is the posture that we are called to have towards one another. And let me just say, I in this story am one of the sailors. No doubt. I am one of the anxious people. Just ask my wife. She will confirm that for you. I need Pauls in my life who come around me in the storm and say, Jake, there is hope. Here are the promises that you need to remember. Take some food. God is with you. And so I just leave you with these three questions then as you think about your own life. First, what's the problem? Probably won't be too hard to come up with this one, but it's good to take stock of your life. What is the tidal wave? What's the typhoon that you find yourself dealing with? Second, what's the promise? What is it that you need to hear God say to you in the midst of that storm? And then finally, what, what's the posture you bring towards God? Do you trust Him? I think that takes actually a lifetime to build that. I'm working on it. I hope you guys are too. And how then can you be that Paul to other people? Thanks be to God.